and welcome to the Darren Woodson Show. This is part two uh, of an episode that if you go back, if you have not listened to the episode prior to this, go back and listen to it. Uh, hit pause right here. Go back. Ryan Casey Waller. Uh, so we went through his resume at the beginning of last episode, but uh, attorney, priest, counselor, mental health advocate, and author. Um, incredible, incredible conversation. So go back. Uh, but before we we dig, dig into this episode and, and this roundtable um, surrounding a very, very serious topic that, that our culture, our country um, is really, really struggling with and really needs to be addressed, um, Ben's got something for us. Uh, he said it's serious, so yeah. it's probably about like Fruit Loops <laughs> or French fries. Well, I was gonna say you, you kind of just took the wind out of my sails with that intro because uh, <laughs> I know we were real a, serious. This in the is intro. not a serious <laughs> question at all, actually. Uh, here we but go. It, it did cause the biggest debate probably on this show's history, our yeah. short history. Yeah, uh, there are almost punches thrown in this conversation. Oh, I know where exactly. Uh, where there going. were elbows. Yeah, I mean it, yeah. it was it was it got pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, I need you to put a settle to the debate mm. here. Here we go. Right. And I want you to power rank okay. these four fry french fry establishments oh, i'm so me. excited right now <laughs> <laughs> oh, french fries so oh, hey, your heart's about to be broken so yeah. just wait from worst, <laughs> to, so first, from worst to first from worst to first right. i want you to rank these and, and this this isn't an all-encompassing there's only four of them because right. we all have cte so we can't remember a lot so we're, we're <laughs> we had he came up with this list <laughs> so don't put your cte on keep, us tyler tried to <laughs> throw in a few names we tried to keep it simple that, so, were, that were very valid so just give them the name of these four from worst to first, yeah. the best French fry, or the worst to best French fry establishments are, <laughs> here are your four choices. Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, In-N-Out, and Whataburger. Oh, yeah. Easy. Oh, uh, okay. Worst is uh, In-N-Out. Okay. Second worst is Whataburger. Okay. Third is McDonald's. Oh. And first is Chick-fil-A. Oh, oh, wow. That's what I That's said. Really? And these two That's disappointing. killed me. Okay, so <laughs> if you go fun. back, if you've listened this far and these have not listened to the episode, me. discredit this man <laughs> and all of his <laughs> opinions. <laughs> no Chick-fil-A, are you about. serious? Is there anything better than a great waffle fry? No, there's nothing. Yeah, but it's, but it's like a sixty percent chance that no. you get good fries at Chick-fil-A. You, yeah. you're, you're living oh, in the, the hill, you're living no, you're in right. country. Yeah. I, I agree. Because sometimes they're soggy. No. Sometimes they're not. You're going they're to the wrong Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. And now, that's the thing. About, they don't put enough critique. They don't put enough salt on their fries. Yeah. Oh, so what's geez. number one for you? Some McDonald's. person you've never heard of. Yeah. I guarantee it. A per- place no. you've never heard of. I McDonald's. guarantee it. Oh, McDonald's number, number one. one. I don't know. He said Nick and Sam's. Nick and Sam's. No, oh, we, we, Nick and Sam's wasn't on the list. What did you pick on the list? McDonald's. McDonald's. But McDonald's. Nick and Sam's is like a different category. Yeah, yeah. it's not even it's a, it's a, exactly. So it's it's bougie. We're, we're talking it's nonsense. So bougie. Right now. It's bougie. I can't French roll fries. through Nick and Sam's <laughs> and get that in my car. Literally, here's here's what we made fun of him for. We're we're clearly picking fast food, and he decides to prove how rich he is. He gets all fancy on you. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. No, but you know my favorite is the fries at Hop Dotty. Yeah, so okay. Those are my apps. Okay, so we're going there. Yeah, so that's a step up. So there's fast food, fast casual, and then the next category that's just Obviously, Nick and Sam's is good because their potatoes are $900 a potato. Right, yeah. And Hop Dotty is, yeah. Hop Dotty is a slight step below that. Hop Dotty's for lunch. Nick and Sam's is dinner. But we're talking greasy, So he forgot, like, Arby's curly fries. Gross. Mm. Dude, I haven't eaten Arby's in like 20 years. Rally's. Southern California. Oh, you know Rally's fries. I know Rally's yeah. fries too. That's Rally's why I was surprised fries. you put in and out awesome. so low. I, I never yes. like. I like the oh. burgers in and out. But you're the born f- in Texas, so yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean like yeah. Rally's, Arby's. I mean, yeah. never heard fries. of Rally's. And 90% of the uh, people what's it, What is it here? What's Rally's here? It's Checkers. Is it Checkers? You're talking about D&W Burger? No. I think it's checkers. I think, isn't it checkers? I think so. But anyways, yeah. There's a I'm lot of fries. There's a lot of fries left yeah, off. I'm glad the we list. established the truth here. Fries oh, are very important. Once and for all. I'm disappointed in that one because there's no I know. Way I mean, I'm, I'm like, like, where did I rank? What did Tyler and I rank? Y'all went McD- I think y'all went McDonald's. I think y'all went Chick-fil-A third. Probably no Chick-fil-A. Heathens. Well, who did I say? I said, did I say Whataburger was last? Maybe. Cause you're yeah. not from Texas. Yeah. 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 There's a, definite. when you said that your, your opinion, 
just was invalidated immediately. Now In and Out, I think we were all on agreement. Like In and Out, I like In and Out fries. I like them, but they're not. They're not. No, they're not even. You're just emotionally attached to your childhood, right? Yeah, think about In and Out. To me, it was because it was like anytime we went on a road trip. Like we went to In and Out. My like, dad actually told me he loved me In and Out. So I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> For the first time, the, that's a great lead in. The only time. <laughs> what a great. It's the only time I feel validated is when I drive by In and Out. <laughs> it reminds me of those three words I've longed for my whole life. I'm totally, totally kidding. Oh, uh, totally hey, can I can I give you some news though? I don't know. Can yeah. I break a little I news? I don't know. Uh, Tito's. Coming on board. Oh, and this is live news. We're breaking Did news. Did you keep, you kept this until? Yes, yes. Tito's will be coming on oh. board as our first. Boys, we made sponsor. it. Oh. We're this Tito's. We're buying a whip. Sharing this moment. <laughs> oh. No, really, this is a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal for the partnership, man. So would you say we've we've officially become professional podcasters? No, we still have. Not yet. <laughs> hey, not would you ourselves. say a minor league baseball player and rookie ball is a professional baseball player? <laughs> yes. Making four hundred dollars a month yeah. and living in somebody's house. Dude, don't act like when you played for the Utah Blaze, you didn't say you were a professional athlete. I did not. <laughs> I actually hid the fact that I even played. Like, what are you doing in Salt Lake? I'm like, mm, I'm not visiting. No. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get an official ad out there soon, but if, yeah. if you're wow. listening to this, go That's grab right. some Tito's. If you're over yes. 21. If you're over 21, 21. Drink, responsibly. Hey, drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. Very hey, responsibly. Yes. Hey, yeah. In all honesty, Congrats. I don't drink very often, if at all, but Tito's is a dang good drink. It is. Uh, yeah. It's great. Hey, look, I spoke uh, at one of their uh, events a couple of years ago, and I can tell you, best culture ever. Yeah. Top to bottom. Really? They know what they're doing there. And the the ton of energy, uh, they treat their partners great. You know, within from within, they do a great job of, uh, you know, their leadership and all. So it's uh, it's look, I, I'm I'm excited. You know, there's a lot more to come. Yeah. Um, but as far as the integration and and getting to know that 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 partnership and and that bond, man, it's gonna be special. It's got to be the top cool. vodka brand in the country right now, right? Because remember with Grey Goose, it was like, oh, Goose and Cranberry or Goose. Mm. But like now, and I thought maybe it was just a Texas thing because it's a Texas vodka, but like if, everywhere you go, like Tito's and soda, Tito's and yeah. this. It's, it's yeah. when you become- Or if you're a psychopath, Tito's and water. Yeah. 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 Sociopath, for yeah. sure. <laughs> you can describe yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> so explain in a minute what, what's going on in your head if you order that. That'll have some rubbing alcohol and water, please. <laughs> you want the effect at that yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but that's awesome, man. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. So let's yeah. dive in. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's get to work. Okay. So so right now, and especially 2020, and, and not to discredit any year prior and the, and the need to actually discuss this, uh, but 2020 especially, because we've had a lot of time to spend internally and to, to you know, uh, quarantine in our house and our value is questioned because we can't go out and work or we can't go out and socialize and we don't have that human connection. So mental illness is something that is on the forefront. And, and I think, and, and even in the debates, uh, it's been discussed, right? What the, yeah. okay, Hey, what is, do we continue to shut this down and, exponentially impact the mental health of this country because undoubtedly that is a challenge that we're dealing with right now is a, is a rise in, in not only mental illness, but abuse and, uh, and suicide. I mean, there are so many things that, that go along with this quarantine in this year of 2020, but also too, and, and I think, I don't want to d- cut out any group, but like men in general, um, we're trained to be gladiators. We're trained mm-hmm. to be tough. We're trained to be, you know, the, the Superman that we grew up watching, right? That, that there's, there's no weakness and nobody, you know, stronger, uh, than steel. Yeah. And, and we won't admit when we're actually struggling with anything because, you know, like we talked about in the last episode, we live in a great country and times have been very good, even with the pandemic, you know, times are still good. So we feel guilty for admitting that we're hurting or we're struggling. Um, but 
Ryan, I want to I want to dig into this. And again, if you have not listened to Ryan's journey to where he is today as a counselor, um, you need to go back and listen to it. But talk to us about your opinion of 2020 and how mental health really needs to be on the forefront of conversations uh, going forward. Yeah, it's interesting because in some ways, I think the pandemic has provided a really helpful context for looking at the issue of mental health and mental illness. And here's what I mean by that. So you'll hear those two uh, phrases used often interchangeably. So we'll be talking about mental health and they'll be talking about mental illness. And I think it's helpful for a lot of people to pause and let's parse those two terms out for, for a moment, right? When we hear mental illness, right? There's certain images that, that, that come to mind, right? We think of, you know, somebody strapped to a, to a bed, perhaps like mm-hmm. in a hospital somewhere, or, you know, severely, you know, someone who's delusional, right? So having just, you know, beliefs that, you know, we can all sort of recognize aren't grounded in reality, or a person who might be hallucinating, or you think of mentally ill, you might think of the person you've seen on the street corner, mm-hmm. um, is suffering from schizophrenia, right? And they're talking to themselves and they seem to just to be existing in a different plane. And we think, okay, well, that's the, the mentally ill are sort of like this other, right? This like separate class, okay? We're going to come back to that and so dispel a bit of that myth. Mental health, on the other hand, right? We sometimes just use it when we're talking about mental illness, but here's the reality. Mental health is something that all of us have. Not everyone is going to suffer from mental illness in the same way that not everyone is going to suffer from cancer or, or mm-hmm. diabetes, but everyone has health, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about your general, like, health, all of health is on a continuum because who amongst us can ever really say, well, okay, oh, I'm, I'm 100% healthy, right? Mm-hmm. You're somewhere, if health is over here on the right and unhealth or illness is on the left, you're always somewhere on that continuum, mm-hmm. right? It's the same with mental health. What I'd like for people to sort of to reframe this discussion is to say we all have our mental health that must be cared for. And at any one point in our life, we are somewhere on the continuum. Mm-hmm. If mental health and wellness is over here on the right, and let's say mental illness is on the far extreme to the left, you're somewhere. Which also means, right, like any other continuum, you can travel back and forth. These aren't fixed uh, positions, mm-hmm. right? Now, we can talk about there's, you know, serious pathology, right? So you may be a person that has a condition, right? You've been diagnosed with something, right? Um, Maybe you have bipolar disorder or you have schizophrenia, right? And those are realities, you know, uh, about you that we need to acknowledge and we need to treat. But that doesn't define you and it doesn't mean that then you're just mentally ill and you're then you need to be put in this category over there and kind of partitioned off. And, and notice, I want to say something important about that. Notice the language around this because I think the language when we begin to have this discussion at a time when it's so important to have this discussion, I'm going to come back to the pandemic, is, is really important. When a person is diagnosed with cancer, we never say to them, oh, I'm so sorry you are now cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry that you are diabetes. We say, oh, oh, you have cancer, you have diabetes. But how often do you hear someone say, oh, he is, he's bipolar? Yep. Yeah. He, he is bipolar, or or, or 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 he has bipolar. That's a that's an aspect to his existence, mm-hmm. right? The language around this is so highly charged, and s- there's such heavy stigma. Even think about this: uh, he's just he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic. So, or is he a person who has substance use disorder, mild, moderate, or severe, right? Mm-hmm. How we talk about these things is incredibly important to the people who suffer because we have the ability to continue to show dignity in these moments or to, to make them into something, okay? So we have mental health and we have mental illness. We're always somewhere in between. What the pandemic, I think, has done has re- helped reveal this to us because, as you said, we're living in sort of this like unprecedented time, and especially for a lot of like men who perhaps would have identified and be like, I don't have any issues with any of my mental health. Well, all of a sudden, take away their job or make them work from home, 
right? Or have them be furloughed or take a pay cut or not allow them to go and watch the sports that they want to watch or socialize in the way that they're used to rock their world. Mm -hmm. And if, and then, and then watch as, you know, kind of mental stability gets shook a little bit. Mm, right, yeah. and you realize, okay, well, maybe this is not a black as black and white as I thought. That there's this sort of like other out there, the people who are ill, and then those of us who who, who aren't. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a continuum in which we can slide, you know, back and forth. So I think the pandemic actually f- helps frame this for us all to be able to become more empathetic to have this conversation. Mm-hmm, to realize yeah. that, that that involves all of mm-hmm. us, and then two, it's brought to light that there are so many people who are suffering Mm -hmm. um, from this. And as you said, with this pandemic, all we've seen is a lot of these issues be exacerbated. Mm -hmm. Suicide is up. um, Overdose is up. Mm -hmm. All substance use disorders are are up. We're seeing sky-high rates of depression and anxiety amongst adolescents. Um, Suicide has never been higher than it is right now amongst adolescents. We are finally at a point where, for the first time in our history, the suicide rate amongst veterans is outpacing that amongst civilian society. We've never had wow. that before. Do you know how often a veteran dies by suicide? Roughly every 23 seconds. That's amazing. Can you believe that? Yeah. If you take it around the world, someone dies by suicide about every 40 seconds. Someone finds themselves in so much pain that wow. they take their own life. Think about that. It's constant. And the reason why this is so important is because suicide, un, and this is not in total, maybe we can come back to this, but unlike a, a lot of deaths, right, there, you know, sometimes we can throw everything we have at a particular disease, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the person will still die from the disease, right? And there's just, there's just, so that's life. That's the world we live in, mm-hmm. right? We can, we can throw everything at something. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Almost all suicides at some level are, preventab- are preventable. If we can make the person have access to treatment, right? There's so much hope. Mm-hmm. We can prevent so many, not all of these deaths, but so many of them mm-hmm. right. we can work to prevent. But this is, um, in, a, in an age in which we are told we are progressive and we can talk about anything, we don't talk about this. Yeah, and why, why is it that we don't have these conversations? Because you, like you just said, you know, on a suicide front, there's, these are preventable. What is it that, what are the topics as parents? Because, you know, again, I have four kids. As parents, what can I do? What are some of the topics or what, kind of, what are the conversations I can have because sometimes you just don't see it, and it's happening right in front of our eyes. I mean, it's you know my kid's school, we're st- his old high school. You're st- the numbers; it's outrageous. I mean, the numbers are way up. Well, not not only parents, but friends. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean anybody. This applies to anybody. This applies to anybody. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a great. It's a great question. Like, so so what do we? If, so if we recognize, oh, oh my goodness, this is preventable. Okay, so so what do we do? Right. And why don't we have these conversations? I think, one, we, we've mentioned the stigma, right? Uh, in, in our culture, too, like, there, there's perhaps no greater stigma to a person dying by suicide. And again, notice the language I use here. Um, anytime someone dies, for the most part, from suicide, you'll see in, like, the newspaper, you know, so-and-so commit suicide, mm-hmm. right? If, if, if I could get every journalist in the world to be forbade from using that word with respect to suicide, it would go a long way. Here's why. When you, when you hear the word commit, what that does, right, embedded in that word is this notion of criminality, mm-hmm. right, of this notion of volition of choice, right? You commit murder. You commit theft, right? Mm-hmm. We commit suicide as if to say this person made this absolute rational choice to do this, right, and sort of acted against their, their own nature, we want to say die by suicide, right? They died from depression. They died from their disease. Now, that's not to say there, there was no choice involved in it, but to, be, to begin to take this out of the realm of criminality, because right. that's where it's often been couched, and we don't, we don't notice this bias towards suicide, 
but we've put it in this category of really, really, really bad thing mm. that a person can do. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to where there's been like, you know, suicide in their family history, and we just don't talk about that relative. Yeah. You know, Uncle Johnny just went away, you know, or, right. or, or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Or so often with young people, right? Um, uh, you read the obituary in the newspaper, right? And it doesn't um, say how or, or why they died. You know, almost always it's suicide. Yeah. And how do people describe it too? People always, and I'm guilty of this, yeah. right? It's a selfish. Act. I was oh, just going to say that's yeah. a, that's what I hear so often. Yeah, that's the most selfish thing you can do right. is commit suicide. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. the phrasing. Here's here's and, and we understand right from a certain perspective, and I'm going to answer your question directly. I can also understand the sentiment because if you've had someone that you've loved die by suicide, that is, you know, arguably the most difficult Mm -hmm. death to get over because it leaves us with all of these questions about why and what could I have done? Because as you said, it's preventable. preventable, Right. So what did I do or not Mm. do? Right. Mm-hmm. Could I have done something? And, and if you're listening to this and, and that's you, you do need to know it is not your fault. Mm. It is not your Man, fault. You're talking, brother, because there's so much pain. So much pain. It, there's so much pain that surrounds it because it's just it, the effect that it has on so many. I mean, it's, oh. you know, in particular for young kids that have done such, it's just, you know, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it firsthand and it from families to friends to schools there's so much that they have to overcome yeah you know so ripples ripples it's a ripple effect yeah it's a wave it carries energy far out and i can't tell you how to look you know to put you know when it's happened before in the past and to watch the families i mean your heart just melts because you put yourself in that and, and and honestly, man, I, I can't tell you how many times I've run, run to my own son. Like, I am paranoid mm. to the fact of when something is wrong with him. Now I'm like, you know, I'm overly yeah. cautious yeah. because of what's happened, the experiences of what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's, um, it, it affects so many people, yeah. right, when, when it happens for that reason. Um, but you have to understand that, that, that ultimately um, – we do everything we can for one another, right? Um, but there are some. Sometimes this is going to happen, right? And you can't prevent that in the sense that um, if it does happen, you cannot lay the blame upon yourself. Mm-hmm. Here's what here's what we can do. I think we shy away from this not only because of the stigma, but because it feels as though this feels like an intrusive question to ask of someone. We feel as though it's one thing to ask a person if they're okay. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling okay? Or are you struggling? It feels different in our culture in which we're very much kind of like conditioned to not step too far into another person's business. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something that feels different about me looking at you and say, saying, Darren, are you, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Mm. Darren, are you thinking about killing yourself? We fear that, A, that just feels incredibly awkward. Mm. We're scared, right, of the judgment we might get back from the person. But the thing where we most fear is if you say, yeah, I am. Then Mm. Now what? Now what? Yeah, what do you say? Now now? what? So here's what you need to know. Don't shy away from that question. It's it's like a lot of people say, well, I don't want to bring it up, especially with adolescents. Here's the argument. I I don't want to bring that up because I don't want to plant that idea in their head. Okay, hold on. When we say that about sex, right, it's the same damn thing. You are not going to plant the idea of them having sex by asking them about sex. Mm-hmm. They're already thinking about having sex, <laughs> right, right. okay? You, 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 are, you are not going to somehow give them this idea, oh, my gosh, he asked me if I'm thinking about killing myself. Why hadn't I thought of that before? It's, it's just never going to happen. It's just a false fear that, that's out there. So you can put, put that one to rest. You're not going to all of a sudden, even if you're worried that they're feeling bad now, you're going to somehow kind of lead them further down mm-hmm. that direction. In, in most instances, when, person, when a person is struggling to that degree, they are begging, 
desperately hoping someone will ask that question. And someone will actually validate like this deep, dark fear that they have that they might do this, and it feels so shameful they don't even want to say it out loud. But if you say it to me on one level, that makes it even actually okay that I'm thinking that. It's like mm. you care enough to ask, and yeah. you're asking about that thing. You're giving me permission to tell right. you that I have felt that way. Okay? So that can mm. be that can be curative right then and there. But then here's the thing. If you're listening to this, you're like, okay, well, what if I do that and my friend says, yes, I am thinking about this. Here's the good news. Your work is already complete. You don't have to know another thing. Here's all you have to know. If they express that, do not judge them. No judgment in that moment. No, oh, you can't do that. That's selfish. That's a terrible idea. Nothing. You say, I, I hear you. That's, it sounds like you feel really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all you have to do, right, is hold space for them and say, I think you ought to talk to a professional. Mm. You know, there are people who are trained to help people who feel this way. Mm. I think you ought to talk to somebody. You do not have the responsibility, nor do you have the skill set to step in and do it. But you can be with your friend and tell them that there is help. Because oftentimes... When a person is cycling down that fast, the situation is that they feel completely hopeless, and oftentimes they're not aware that they can be helped. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of help out there. Maybe I think you have show notes or there's links we can put up some of the, the, the hotlines, right? We have national hotlines for these things. But then also it's just like there's counselors like everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I think the burden on the conversation is like I feel like, well, if I get into that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be swimming in, in waters right. that, are, that are too deep. You're, you're not going to be. Mm-hmm. Because all you got to do is acknowledge, ask the question, acknowledge it, and then encourage them to get that help. They're not looking for you to fix it. They know you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. Okay? But what happens is a lot of times people, and I think I, I like for people to hear this, people don't die by suicide usually because they want to die. What we know, at least from people who attempt suicide and survive, or people who have struggled deeply with suicidal ideation and really thought about it, it's not so much that they that they don't want to live. It's that they want their pain to stop. Mm-hmm. They don't die because they want to die. They die because they want the pain to stop. And they've arrived at a point where that is the only way, at least in their mind, they feel like they can guarantee themselves the pain is going to stop. Uh, yeah. So suicide typically goes in their mind from like, an option to a good option to the only option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if we can step in and ask the question, right, and then just remind themselves that, that there are actually other options, right? right, right. That, that the way that you feel in this moment, it's possible. And I don't know how, and you can say, like, I, I don't know how. You could feel different, but I, but I but I know that it, that it is possible yeah. to get to a different place, and just hold that hope and hold that space. That can be enough. But what are some of the warning signs? I, I guess. Oh I, yeah, I, good. That, yeah. That's you know from. Good. I would want to know as a parent or as a friend is I don't want to miss the warning signs. Mm-hmm. What are some of those? Yeah, it's, I'm so glad you asked that. So we're always looking for um, changes in routine patterns okay so anytime especially for a young person and this applies for actually all people on this level like anytime someone changes something that they they love doing if you notice they stop doing something they enjoy doing so even with kids like noticing like you know whether it's obviously sports or it's like they used to always like even get up at a certain time they're sleeping more they're not sleeping they're eating a lot more they're eating a lot less they used to be really social. Seems like they're withdrawing. We're, ju- we're looking for changes, right? Mm-hmm. Patterns of disruption. Because anytime we're evaluating, you know, mental health, or you just take kind of like classic depression, that's what we're looking for, right? Is the distress, the mental distress, rising to the level that it's disrupting their everyday life. Mm-hmm. So part of it for parents 
and just kind of to, to reemphasize the, the importance of being involved in your child's life so, which, so you know what their patterns are. A lot of times, I think, unfortunately, some parents just don't even know what the regular pattern of their right. child is because yeah. they're not engaged on that level. So you right. got to know, right? right? First, so, so, so be there, be engaged, but then you're looking for, for, for their patterns of behavior that are just different. So it's not like it's 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 going to show up as like you know you find a diary and they've all of a sudden you know gone all goth or they're talking about killing themselves or whatever it is. It's just it's it's oftentimes much more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. Or it's like man, I, I you know, and you know your kids like take athletics just you know as an example. Like even if they're still playing and you think they used to take a lot of joy out of this, you could see and they don't seem joyful. Right? Are you, are you just kind of like what, what you know what what's that about? It's asking those questions. Um, but oftentimes, just the way it oftentimes plays out, the most classic things we see are um, lack of interest in going to school, dropping grades, withdrawing from friends, changes in mood, changes in weight, um, those sorts of things. But at its most basic level, you're looking for any departure from, from the right. norm. Mm-hmm. So Talk, some, I'll just say something you talked about earlier. You talked about there being a spectrum, mental health on one end, mental illness on the other. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about anxiety, depression, and suicide. Is that somewhat of a spectrum as well? Does it start yeah. as anxiety and then eventually leads to depression, which eventually leads? To, I mean, is there, I'm just, cause depression to me seems pretty extreme and, and, and I have no knowledge of any of this, but I guess my point in saying that is, Anxiety seems more common. Yeah. And so is there a spectrum to this? Is there, does one lead to the other? There's totally a spectrum. You know, often de- depression and anxiety, um, and it depends on who you're asking, but the more we look at these, these two things, we, we, we think we're looking at two sides of the same coin oftentimes. So a person that's going to struggle from a depressive episode is most likely also going to experience some anxiety and vice versa. Now, sometimes it manifests purely sometimes, uh, you know, someone struggles just with anxiety or, and then just depression. Um, what, what we should clarify here is that every human being experiences anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Anxiety is a natural part of, of life. It's a helpful part that's been built into our, to our DNA, right? To get anxious before something can prove to be incredibly helpful, Absolutely. right? If you don't have any kind of anxiety, yeah. it's like, all right, you guys all played football, right? If you had no anxiety, yeah. if there was no sort of like, no. you better get yourself ready to go. Yeah. Tyler used to shit on himself yeah. <laughs> before really? games. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you? I was actually <laughs> late to kickoff one time because of that. Because that was happening. That actually yeah. happened. Yeah. Missed uh, a pregame speech and kickoff. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually, you know, I'm glad you said that, and I know you're about to dive more, but I want to yeah. highlight what you just said because I think for me, I categorize anxiety as a bad thing always. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I forget that it's actually it can be a good thing. It's, yeah. Mm. It's it's helpful, right? Okay, so and it, it goes back all the way, and everyone, everybody sort of knows. But like, if you're you know back in like prehistory, right, and you're not worried about the saber toothed tiger mm-hmm. that could be creeping up behind mm. you, right? Then you, then you're not going to be on the lookout for the saber toothed yeah. tiger, right? Likewise, if you're going to strap on a football helmet and go onto the field and engage in a very violent sport, if you're not anxious about the reality of what's about to happen, yeah, you're probably yeah. going to get hurt. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, you're and not it, taking this seriously. You're not taking this seriously because the other guy over there is taking yeah, it seriously. Yeah. And you're playing a complicated game for which you've trained and you've mentally prepared and you've prepared your body. And to execute on that, right, it's going to require this, like, healthy amount of anxiety. And so that applies across the board for anyone taking an exam in school, showing up doing a presentation at work, whatever it might be. A little bit can be, can be helpful. Right, where anxiety tips over into the to the clinical, right, type of anxiety that we're talking about. That's that that's not helpful. Is when it becomes disruptive to your life. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're looking for at that kind of anxiety. Are we experiencing worry, right? That's rising to the level that it's disrupting my ability to sleep. Mm-hmm. Is it killing my appetite? Am I finding myself so anxious in social settings that I can't engage or I don't even want to go to them or I find myself there and I can't even hear what the other person is saying because I'm so wound up in my head, worried about what they think of me or having unrealistic anxiety, like there's going to be an earthquake or I'm constantly catastrophizing the future. If that anxiety is beginning to become 
paralyzing, right? That's where we're rising to the level of this is actually not what you have to be experiencing. It's like I said in the last episode, I told myself all those years, oh, this is like my secret weapon. This is helping me. What I didn't realize is, no, that level of internal anxiety is not healthy living. It is, in fact, if that goes on long enough, in many, many cases, it's going to physiologically have a negative effect on the body. Mm. We know that that heightened level of cortisol and that stress affects the brain in negative ways and ultimately can affect the entire body, can weaken the immune system, Mm. right? Raises our blood pressure, which over the long term affects our heart, all of that. So, so anxiety in and of itself, not bad, right? Death anxiety, good thing, right? We do things to keep ourselves safe. We understand that life, you know, is limited. It's on a, you know, there's a timer, right? Mm-hmm. So keep moving, right? All those sorts of things. Do something. But anxiety that's, that's, that's then interfering and blocking us from doing the things that we want to do or is robbing us of joy, in activities that we know we should enjoy, we've got we've got anxiety. Now, is we know that anxiety. We've covered that anxiety is something that's been here from the, the beginning of time, uh, and that's something that that we were designed to have. Uh, but do you feel like, as of late, uh, it has exponentially gone to that level you just yeah. discussed? Yeah. In that now it's an unhealthy level of right. anxiety or fear or depression yeah and and, and if so why exactly because we go back and just i mean and it's especially the people my age and older Mm. we're always saying to the the millennials or the gen x's what's what's wrong with you guys Mm -hmm. we never used to go through you know you've heard Mm -hmm. this a million times yeah so you know and and the question i've always had even myself is just thinking you know why is this happening to so many people all mm-hmm. of a sudden all of a sudden or yeah. is it just we're actually talking about it i mean which what, what is it okay oh, i'd love thank you for allowing it to be nuanced right. right because it is it is um there are multiple truths here right there are multiple truths in in my opinion about what's happening right now let me address what you just said first part of it is we are having this conversation in a way that we haven't had before so, like, before we started recording, we were talking about, well, how many people even experience this? What we know in, in America, the latest data we have is that every year, one in four Americans will experience a mental health challenge, right? So, that's what's reported, right? So, you could probably double that number. Right, so, you're yeah. probably in any room, and you look around, probably half of the room is going to have experienced something within that year, right? So, it's far more common than I think we've ever previously acknowledged. And so we're, so we're talking about yeah. it, right? So we're just becoming more aware of it. So it might, so while I do think there's a spike and let's get to that, it's also like, we're, we're just, we're just, it's finally just like out there. Yeah. It's sort of like, I don't know if you noticed a few years ago, there was some big research that came out uh, from the Pew Research Center and they found that the, um, what they call the religious nuns had all of a sudden really spiked. So people in this country that did not identify as being religious. We all of a sudden went from a kind of small percentage to a, to a really large percentage. And, and, and there were two truths there, at least two truths. One, yes, there's been an institutional decline of those who are religious in the United States. But also, we've changed the stigma. So 30 years ago, you're calling around asking that question, and someone say, hey, are you religious? People were more likely, even if they weren't, to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm religious, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, or, you know, yeah, I'm Catholic or or whatever it was. They might have been baptized Mm -hmm. and they haven't been back to church in 20 years because there was a stigma with saying, yeah, I don't believe in God. I don't go to church, right? There was a stigma. There's been this huge stigma attached to saying I've got some kind of mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. One we're talking about. Two, I do not, I'm not the kind of person who blames this all on, on, on social media, right? It's more complicated than that. That being said, what young people are having to grow up with right now in terms of their involvement online is a very different challenge than what any of us experience. In the sense that, you know, you talk about being worried about your son and kind of being paranoid about what's going on. Well, on one level, there's good reason for that because there's a whole other sort of realm of existence 
that young people experience and live online that we're not always like privy to. Mm. And the difficulty with it, I think, and this can then be extrapolated out to sort of the wider sort of like internet culture that we all live in, is it used to be that the way that we socialized to a certain degree, right, was limited to our actual experiences. So you had your family, you lived in your community, you went to school, same people, maybe you knew some people in the next neighborhood over the town, like whatever. You had access to the wider world, right, through newspapers, through television, whatever it was, but it was quite limited. It wasn't unfettered access to everything all the time. And so part of it is that when we expanded with the internet, that was even the first time that all of us had the opportunity to be aware of basically everything that's happening all the time in the rest of the world, which meant we now became aware of a whole lot of suffering and a whole lot of darkness too, right? The human brain essentially technology has developed way faster than the brain has evolved to handle the um, sheer amount of information. Mm. So what I think is happening too with the, with the kiddos is that like, like when I was a kid, if I went to school and I had a hard time or somebody gave me a hard time or, or whatever it was, at least at the end of the day, I had this like safe refuge. Yeah. I went home. Right. You know, I was able, even for people, if you didn't have a supportive family, like you didn't have the kid who was bullying you all day, being able to crawl Crawl. into your brain. Yeah. Right. Like they, like they do right now. And there's this constant like, um, vulnerability to be attacked. So you have all that going on, but then you, you move into the world of social media. What I think is really difficult too, is that young people live in this world of constant feedback and critique. Mm. So it used to be like, look, when I was a kid, I might have like thought to myself that I was like popular or funny or well-liked or whatever. And like the reality was I could live in that delusion, right? Until yeah. somebody sort of like addressed now. So somebody in particular, let's say girls who not only live in a, in a, in a culture where the, like they're told like their, their bodies have to be perfect and, you know, perfection, that's right. the best quality of, of femininity. So they do a selfie and they put it out there and with seconds they get the feedback as to whether or not their peers think she's beautiful or they don't. Right. And it comes in hard and it comes in fast and it comes in unfiltered. And as we all know, people will even take even, you know, they'll go way further with what they'll say to them Mm -hmm. online than in person. And it's just creates this toxic environment where we are incessantly looking for external validation in a place in which it has never been easier to deny someone that validation. Right. Yes. Wow. Yes. And it's I, growing up and that's, that's hard. tough. That is, yeah. That's hard. Talk, talk, I know we're more, and I'm throwing up air quotes. We don't have video today. Um, we're more connected than we ever have been in human history. Like you said, we're connected. We can be, we can, chat instantly on Instagram with someone in the South Pacific or in Eastern Europe instantly. So we're more connected, but aren't we more disconnected from a really deep, um, a very deep, authentic relational way than we ever have been? Do you think that that's true? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like we all kind of know the, um, the, um, like Instagram, right? Yeah. Perfected life, like whatever. We kind of say, you know, we, we project out there, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like always been the case. Um, so we all sort of know like that's not reality. And the way that you you connect. We think we know. We think we know. Yeah, yeah. we think we know. We always have to remind ourselves what yes. you're seeing is like, you yeah. know, an image that someone has carefully like mm-hmm. curated, like, yeah. you know, to put out there for the, for the most part. Here's the thing about human connection. You're right. So we've never, it's cool. It's neat that I can talk to my friend instantly in China. Yeah. Like that's neat. I, I like it. Like I love yeah. technology. Like mm-hmm. I, lo- I love mm-hmm. social media. I love the internet. Like all of that. It is not the same. I loved when I talked to you guys on the phone, mm-hmm. you said, you know, it's important you to do your podcast like, in, in, you know, in person. And what I loved about that is you're expressing this truth that's often getting forgotten mm-hmm. in our conversation on, on mental health. There's something that happens when human beings are present with one another that cannot happen when they're not physically present. Mm. Now, biologically, we even know this is true. 
If you and I have a conversation over FaceTime and we are not present, our brains will not release oxytocin, the chemical that makes us feel good. It's the bonding mm-hmm. chemical in the same way that it will if we are in the same room in close proximity to one another and we have the ability to touch, touch yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We bond with one another in that way. So this is, this, here's what we know too. So there's that, right? Mm-hmm. That we're just, we don't gather as much. Like I had this guy tell me recently, he was like, man, this is, he was worried about his kids. And he said they were at, they were at a, um, a house, uh, a party. Like the parents had gotten together and so they were in one room eating, whatever. And the kids had all um, kind of gathered in another room and there, and there were somebody, some of the kids were playing like a video game. And, and the kids were like kind of watching. And the dad wandered in and he heard a kid say this. One kid said, man, I wish we could all be at our own houses right now so we could all be playing this together. And he says, just let that like spin your head for a second. <laughs> right. spin your head. This is how yeah. different socialization is. Yeah. They're literally thinking, man, I wish we could like get the hell out of here yeah. so we can we connect. connect. Yeah. Okay. Huh. So it's just. It's complicated. Right. Yes. It's complicated. Yeah. Because they are wanting to connect, and there's the connection, but there's this devalue, and it's like you want to rush in there and say, hey, hold on. I get that connection, and I'm not invalidating that connection. You guys can do that, but hey, look, put down the game for a second, and look, you're in the presence of other human beings. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is it, you know, what could y'all do here when you're actually together that you right. might not be able to do apart? Like, right. look and to one another's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that, you know, yeah. Um, and, and that's what we've talked about on this show before. Why, why us three love doing this so much is because we're sitting in a room for the most part, uninterrupted together that's right. and talking. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that we don't get to do very often anymore. It doesn't feel like, Oh, and so that's why this is feels so what you're saying resonates so much. And what happens when you guys do that, I imagine, I appreciate you saying that is that, the way that humans connect, truly connect, so so form the bond, is through vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is why, like, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Brene Brown, but she's become so famous over the past few years with her work around vulnerability because what she's helped explain to everyone is that attachment theory, which is what happens, you know, when a baby is born, if a child has a healthy attachment to, to his or her primary caregiver, right? So in other words, if, if the child knows it's going to be touched and it's going to be fed, right, and it's going to receive this protection, it forms a healthy attachment. And we know that babies who form healthy attachments have better outcomes than babies who don't. We just know this, right? Well, attachment theory works in adult relationships as well. So here's what happens. The way that we attach with one another Babies are totally vulnerable, right? So babies figure out really quickly that, you know, they cry and they get their meads net, right? right? And so when there's that screaming, like, blood-curdling cry that they give in the middle of the night, it's not because they're selfish. It's because they understand this is a life or death Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. I have to cry to get my needs met because I am helpless. And if the caregiver does not come, I'm going to die, Mm. right? So they cry out, right, because they're totally vulnerable. They get their needs met. Mm -hmm. Secure attachment, they become healthy. Human beings, adults, right? We have this happen when we gather together and we offer the vulnerability that we have in our lives. So I will get connected to you if I'm honest with you. This is how therapy works, right? So if I tell you who I actually am and what I'm actually feeling, what's actually going on with my life, I'm giving you the opportunity to hurt me or to be with me. Mm. And if I discover that you'll be with me, I feel attachment with you. Huh. Mm-hmm. And then we begin to grow closer. Something's happening between us. That oxytocin is being mm. released. And I'm realizing this world is not as scary as I thought it was because now I have another person that I'm with. Mm-hmm. And that connection takes place. And that is often what we miss, especially if we're only connecting with that veneer of the social media. Because yeah. you're not getting to that level. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me show you my really, let me show you like, you know, my best version of myself or like the new car. That's, I mean, that's, it's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. It's got, a, and it's got its place and it's fun, but it doesn't provide and it cannot provide what you get when you gather with other people. And so 
if the socialization is so heavily focused on that level with the kids, they're, 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 they're missing, right, an opportunity. Right. And they're, they're, they're just getting so critiqued on the veneer that they're placing out there, and it's just, and it's just constant. So I think that has a lot to do mm-hmm. with, 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 with why it's rising. And then, of course, just back simply, I mean, you throw in the, the pandemic and, um, oh, man, and the uncertainty that that's mm-hmm. caused. Yeah. I think for adults, and I, I'll, I'll make this one final point, we can move on to something else. Part of, the, part of what makes mental health struggle so difficult is the uncertainty of the timeline. That's what's really scary, yeah. too is that, you know, you begin to feel this way, you begin to feel some depression, or you begin to feel some anxiety. And what's so terrible about it is that even when you start to get treated, one of the most difficult aspects of it is that there's not a clear timeline. Mm-hmm. So all you guys played football, right? So, you know, if you, I'm sure you were injured at some point, one of the first questions, right, is, well, how, how long? Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. How long, Doug? Yeah. Right? Because if they can give you a timeline, it's then, it's then you can, like, process I prepare it. myself to yeah. say, okay, I've got, I've got to work this yeah. long, and then I get, boom. To get yeah. right back, right? Yeah. That's like, like, the, like a few weeks ago, you saw Dak get hurt, and then you just feel poor. question for he, four days is, okay, when does he come back? When does he, right. when, right. when does he come back? And yeah. especially, you know, nowadays, like, you, that's why I think the Alex Smith story was so inspiring. You look at that, and you're like, He's not coming back. Like you can't, mm-hmm. you know, he can't mm-hmm. come back. But then you even have that question. It's like, is he going to come back? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the question that people ask with depression and anxiety. It's like, am I always going to feel this way? Mm. And it feels like you are always going to feel this way. And so that's what's so mm. scary about it. The pandemic is playing upon that same psychological dynamic. When is this going to end? Right. I don't know. Yeah. When are we going to get back to normal? Nobody has that answer. And so people are having to psychologically deal and battle with what yeah. those who struggle with their mental right. health, and they've never had to deal with this before. It's always been a timeline right. for things. Mm-hmm. And so when you make the timeline murky, we're all of a sudden living in a world in which the, the future doesn't feel as secure, and that's really, really scary. Because people like to lock down their future, even though that's a, that's, that could be a whole other like, issue. Right? That causes so much of anxiety mm-hmm. is trying to control the future instead of actually living in the only moment you have. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so depressives tend to ruminate on the past. Uh, Anxiety-riddled people tend to uh, future trip on what's mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. Right? The way we get both of them being healthier is to come back to the only moment you're actually allowed to live in, okay. yes. which now. is this one. Yes. How do we do that? How do, you yeah. do that? How do we stay present? Yeah. How do you draw yourself back to the present? Yes. Well, one, recognizing the, 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 the healthy aspect of anxiety, you're going to die. You're going to die. So in my tradition, the Christian tradition, there were these desert fathers way back in the day, and they said, here's the thing. Everybody should look at death at least once a day, preferably before noon. So what they meant about that was remind yourself, from dust you have come and to dust you shall return. You need a motivator to, en- to enjoy your life? You're going to die. Yeah. The only moment you have is this one, so we can do with it. You want to be here? Do you want to have it? Okay, there's a clock. But you know what? Let me ask you. I got to go back on this because you're, you're talking to me now. So, is there, is that happened at, at a certain point in your life? Because I told the story, I don't know how long ago it was, about with my son. I got a four year old and start all over again. So, I got a little one. And I'm at 51 and I realized that in a moment when I was with him that that clock, like I honestly realized that I don't have that much time with him. Mm. And it's a different feeling. Like now, like the clock every day and it's, it usually happens early on where I wake up and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go today. Like I I gotta gotta make the most of it. I gotta make the most of it. Mm. So, that is interesting that you just said that. And it's okay. It's totally okay. It's okay to, 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 it's to have that feeling. Right. You know, it's, it's so healthy. We, we live in a, in a death denial culture. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything about the American life wants to pretend that death doesn't exist, which is why we tend to struggle with death so much because we don't spend any time preparing for it. Mm-hmm. Right? We prepare for every other milestone, right? We're going to go to college. What career are you going to have? Yeah. You're going to prepare. All, all this stuff. We're all going to die. And it comes and hits us like a bus out of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people struggle. No, that level, that's healthy because that what that does is acknowledging that it sounds like you're letting that 
bring you to the present. So you wake mm-hmm. up and you think he's four, I'm 51, yeah. maximize this time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste it, right? right? So you come so you come back to the present, right? Yeah. So that's the healthy leveling anxiety. Yeah. Now, if you don't get fixed, you can get fixated on death, right? right? That's why they said look at it once a day, preferably preferably before noon, then then move on, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> then move on. Um, but they're, they're, so, uh, there are lots of different ways, right, to bring us back to the present. One that's really, you know, um, one modality that's really popular right now, you hear a lot of people talk about mindfulness, and they often mm-hmm. don't know what that means. Mindfulness, and again, that'd be a whole other episode to talk about, but that's the practice of making yourself, bringing yourself back to the awareness of what it is that you're doing and where you are, right? So it's, so, and I think athletes are particularly like, they tend to be better at this than people who aren't athletes because it requires you to get in touch with your body. Yeah. Now you're feeling, what is it that you're doing? So like, you know, basic mindfulness practices. Well, right now I'm, I'm sitting here right now and um, my left big toe is actually asleep. So hold on, I'm moving around. It's like, feels a little better. Oh, I, f- I feel tired, but you know, I'm comfortable. I'm enjoying this conversation. The trees out the window are gorgeous. Sky's peaceful. Temperature cooled down today. So I'm noticing, right? I'm noticing where I'm actually at. And so where that can be useful is when people find themselves in moments of stress, you take a, you take a beat, take a step back, and just be like, where am I? Here's here's a, the best example of this right now. That's just that that that's fun to watch. There's a documentary called Linux Hill on Netflix, and it and it follows these neurosurgeons at this hospital in New York, some of the like, best neurosurgeons in the world. And um, before these big surgeries, this main neurosurgeon guy makes everyone in the room. There'll be like like twenty people in this room about to like you know do a complex like you know brain surgery, mm. and he'll take these people, who are some of the smartest people in the world, and he'll make them close their eyes and be like, all right. To remind ourselves of what we're doing. Close your eyes. Here you are. Feel your body. Notice yourself. You breathe in. Breathe. We have a human being that's lying in front of us. And his life is in our hands. Mm-hmm. We know what we're doing. We've got to be present. Mm-hmm. We're nowhere else. We're here. Now let's get to work. Right? And it's amazing just these tiny moments mm-hmm. of reset. Right? Yeah, it's like a reset. It's just Absolutely. a reset. Yeah. It's just a reset. We have this power always <laughs> yeah. to take a step. It's like taking time out. So you just got to you know, take time out. So, so practicing mindfulness, fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, um, which also, like, one of the best ways, too, people, if they struggle with, with mindfulness, um, uh, you know, our cell phones are one of the main obstacles to, to mindfulness. Right, because it's this practice of even like, okay, yeah, I'm here, but then I'm, yeah, you know, I'm looking down mm-hmm. at my phone. You're talking to me, and then it's buzzing. And, you know, just so detaching from that for a little yeah. bit, even if it's just like I'm stressed, I'm gonna move myself from my desk and take a walk, whatever. Leave the phone at the desk, right? Yeah, create create some space, right, in your world to bring him back. I need that. Um, there, yeah, there's a, there's a, a million different But ways. I mean, yeah, if you think about now how we are is if we're in lot, we can't just be. Right, we cannot just be because the second that we are not entertained or not busy, what do we do? We pull that phone out. Right, oh. you're standing in line. You're okay. First thing you do, and yeah. go to the bathroom. First thing I do, pull yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's 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 something that's so ingrained in us. Yeah. Such a good point. I heard someone say the other day, they're like, um, "What's the first thing you do in the morning? Uh, pee." Or look at your phone while you pee. Because <laughs> those are the only two options. That's so yeah. true. No, that's exactly right. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. This is like so depressing. Yeah. Right? I, okay, so so I want to be respectful of, of, of everyone's time here because literally we can have oh, like, yeah. we can literally have like, uh, we want to have you on like, at recurring. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to put I that out there now. I need more mindfulness conversation. Um, yeah. But, but it, I don't even know, like, because there's so many avenues that we can go, and right. this can go another like four or five hours. Um, but, but I wanna, I wanna just kind of settle back on vulnerability because I think that's really important um, for for men to uh, men and women really in our culture right now because of what that does lead to the connection as you described, right? Like, if I am vulnerable, then I give someone the choice to go with me. Or push me away, right? And then I feel connected. And that does take in-person interactions to do. Uh, but 
we have a lot of people that are, that, you know, there's so many like, you know, how to podcasts and success mm-hmm. driven and this, but talk about how the vulnerability leads to a successful life. And I'm not saying successful monetarily. Mm-hmm. I'm saying a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. When, when that leads to, when that can actually lead to yeah, connection, happiness, joy. Um, it doesn't necessarily remove pain, right? And don't expect oh, that. No. But, but how like the vulnerability and authenticity, we use authentic a lot. We mm-hmm. use that word a lot. And, and one, how that can actually lead to a more fulfilled maybe career. Because now, if you are authentic and vulnerable, now you have the ability to lead because you're not, you're not up there being that, that phony that you were talking about in the previous episode, a fraud, right? People want to follow authentic people. So just talk about that, and, and then we'll wrap up, and then we'll tee up the next time yeah. you're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. That's great. Such a good question. You know, I, I find that so much of discontent in this life is due to existential angst, right? So either people feel totally isolated alone or they feel like their life has no ultimate purpose mm-hmm. or they, they don't know who they are, mm-hmm. okay? And so if vulnerability and authenticity, what that can allow is for a person to look within themselves first and be honest about what it is that they want what it is that they need, and who it is that they want to be. And if they're willing to look at that, right, to look at themselves, which is often what happens, right, in therapy, right, the, the therapist becomes a mirror, just allows you to, to see yourself. Well, now you're giving yourself access into, into the deep truths of your life, which only you can actually go and find. But, but for a lot of people, that's too scary or requires work or they've never been told that they actually have the freedom to be able to, to do that. And so what ends up happening is, you know, in terms of like success, if you will, and I know not just monetarily, but living like a life, I, I've used, I've, success for me is living a life where at the end of the day, you, you lie down and you do feel a sense of peace mm. about the process that you engaged in that day. Yeah. Right? So it's not about perfection. It's not about hitting the marks. Because that's not going to happen. But it's like, did I engage authentically, mm-hmm. right, with the process that aligns with my values? Mm-hmm. So it's this integrated self mm-hmm. where my actions and what I'm doing align with what I truly believe in, feel is right, and what I want, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're vulnerable and authentic with ourselves, we can maybe get honest about that, which then if we are, if we have the courage then to live into that, that's where success is going to come yeah. from. Because as you said, like even if you can be phony and make it, okay, fine. You, you may be able to do that and you may get the job that you think you want or make the amount of money that you think you want or have the respect of your peers that you think you want. But if you don't have that integration inside, I mean, I can point you to a million people who've had that kind of success and they will tell you they're not happy in this life. They don't lay their head down at night and feel that content in which I would say, okay, well, you're successful on one level, but you ain't actually successful. That's that's exactly right. Because it's misery because you got to live with yourself, Mm -hmm. right? So you want to be in a place in which whether the day, you know, quote unquote is a success or a failure you've still got some peace and contentment. doesn't mean you're not going to be bummed about the failures or frustrated or none of that, right? Mm. But you know, okay, I've journeyed a little further today. So if you can be authentic, right, Mm. and vulnerable, that's going to increase the odds that you're going to be doing the thing that brings you contentment. Mm. And then secondly, as you say, if you look at people who actually do really succeed in the sense that, like, not only are they contented with themselves, but they achieve a high level in whatever industry they're in, more often than not, those are people that other people perceive to be authentic and vulnerable, right? Mm. They're a human being, so I can relate to them. They're not a robot. And I believe what it is they're saying because I can tell that they actually believe it. Yeah. People can spot that from a mile away. Right. Mm. Mile away. That's right. And so, I mean, I I know you you guys have seen that in athletics and in business. It's true in any field. 
So the authenticity and the vulnerability not only will allow you to have a successful inner life or increase those odds, then it's also just going to increase the odds that you're going to do something out in the world for which the world is going to receive. Right. Because mm-hmm. they're going to be drawn to it. We're drawn to those kinds of people. Mm-hmm. We want to support those kinds of people. We want to buy the products that those people make. Mm-hmm. Because they make us feel a certain way because what we see in them oftentimes is the possibility for ourselves to be uh, like yeah. that. Piggybacking on the joy. That's right. Yeah. Piggyback on that joy. Yeah. If it's possible for, you know, if it's possible for that woman or that man to be that way, well, I'm a human being too. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible for me. That's right. So it gives hope. That's so good, man. I'll tell you what, when we envisioned Ugh. the way that this podcast, we wanted to, the conversation, this is the conversation that we envisioned having on this podcast we so much appreciate your time except yeah, except please. we we envisioned like leaving it more complete like oh that was great all yeah. right on to yeah. the next one now it's like dude okay how do we get on this Let's calendar go, yeah. like yeah every third friday yeah seriously you're okay with that right, right. Okay. you're good if, if somebody I'm didn't honored. take our advice and go back and listen to the episode yes. before this where can people find you ryan yeah so you can find me online ryancaseywaller.com um uh, you can find me on Facebook, same thing. Instagram, same thing. I'm iTunes there. under Texas, uh, Texas country. Texas country yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but re- really, thank you so much for for this is awesome. just a just a glimpse yeah. into uh, into what what you can just expose and discuss and talk about because again like we talked about in this episode and the last the importance of being able to go to talk and and talk to somebody and be real and and cut through the bs cut through the the armor that we have we have built around ourselves to be you know to build this perfect image that we put out on social media that we put Mm -hmm. in the workplace with our friends even sometimes cut through that and and be vulnerable and authentic because that's when real growth and yeah. that's when real happiness that's can actually occur. For, man. We're just yeah. looking for, mm-hmm. you know, we're all looking for growth. Mm-hmm. And yep. how do we get better? It's like a coach, man. You got you to go to the coach, mm-hmm. Ryan, <laughs> and get some information. So yeah. if you're listening in, go to Ryan Casey, Ryan Casey Waller. Waller. You got to share this episode, too. You got yeah. to. You I mean, have this, to. Is, this is a must. We all need to be, yep. be hearing stuff like this. And, and make sure to follow us on social media. Uh, make sure to follow us on the Darren Woodson Show. Uh, it's Darren Woodson 28 uh, at Ty Klutz, uh, Gibbs Fitness 10. Mm-hmm. Um, follow us. But the reason is, is one is we want to interact with you. We want to have conversations, topics that, that Ryan can come back on and discuss yes. that, that you guys. And again, it, I, I don't want to say slide into my DMs, but kind of, right. <laughs> you know, ask us, <laughs> ask, bring up topics that, that we can get Ryan back on and talk about that you want to us to discuss because chances are, and again, when we talk about mental health and in any time there's, there's a mental health crisis, it is, you feel completely alone. Like you're the only one going through it. Right. And as we discussed over half of our country, at least is going through some sort of mental health crisis every year. So you are not alone. So the chances are, if you want to talk about something, someone else wants to hear how to, how to address it, how to have a conversation. Where do I start? What are the steps I can take to becoming healthy again? So please, please share with us. Uh, And again, if you are around someone, if you are, if there is a child, a friend, a spouse, a parent, and there's something different, just ask a question. You don't have to have the answer. You just, you need to let them know that you love them, that you care about them, and that you're there for them. And it's as simple as saying, I hear you. Let's, let's go talk to somebody. Amen. So appreciate you guys tuning yeah, in. Thank you. Uh, I know this is uh, a heavier subject than we typically talk about on, uh, on our roundtables, but this is so important that we get out there and we have conversations about because, again, the more we can lean on each other, the better we can be. So thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.